the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, September 16th, as we head into Hour 2. It's a delight to bring back one of my favorite people, one of my favorite public servants. He is David Schweikert, representing Arizona's 6th Congressional District and occasional guest host here. David, welcome back. How are you, sir? Yes, I, I can't believe they let you keep your job after you allowed this. <laughs> I can't believe they let me keep it as opposed to putting you in as the permanent. Yeah, no. It's, uh, it's, it's actually, people, it's a weird job. Um, <laughs> Is my job weirder than it's, yours? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Mine's, mine's, mine's dark. Okay. Uh, yours is just weird. Okay. I mean, Bill's waving at you. So, um, got to ask you. Yeah. Think of, aren't you amazed with all the press coverage of what happened yesterday in Congress, what happened yesterday in the Ways and Means Committee, where the Ways and Means Committee passed out the largest tax hike in U.S. history. Forty different taxes went up in the committee yesterday. Largest spending package in U.S. history. Isn't it amazing how much coverage um, a piece of legislation that will change the face of the United States going through the House of Representatives yesterday has got? The difference between you and me, David, is I used to be a lefty. And in that I used to be a lefty, I used to read a lot of lefties, a lot more than I would later. And one of the great ones was a journalist named I.F. Stone, Izzy Stone, and he had this great line. He said, it's always so fun opening up the Washington Post in the morning because I'm always looking for what page the front page story is on. Typically, it's on A15 or A19 if it makes it at all. It's a br- Actually, I hate to say it's a brilliant quote. Isn't it? Isn't it? Well, but, but this is my fear. And even conservative media who, who is missing the boat right now. I understand Afghanistan's incredibly important. I understand a potentially treasonous general is really important. The fact of the matter is that your Congress, without accepting a single amendment, um, without you know just is driving through a piece of legislation that will change the country dramatically. Um, I mean, and there's little landmines in this legislation. There's things like the state of Arizona will have to recognize public employee unions to be able to offer benefits. I mean, there's things in here. If you want your tax credit for buying your electric vehicle, you're going to have to, you know, to to get the full maximum credit, the manufacturer will have to be unionized. I mean, there are things in this that should have the public hair on fire. We, we stand, as I, read you, general, as, as I read you, we stand in Arizona alone to lose 42,000 jobs. Uh, 42,000 well, no, no. jobs. That, that 42,000 was just one of the little provisions on something we call guilted, uh, global intangibles. That if a company does some manufacturing overseas, how do you tax it? Arizona is a big exporting state. Most yeah. people don't realize that. Yeah. That's just one. It, it, it's 10 times that. You do the corporate tax, the capital gains tax, all the other things that are coming. 
David, um, I, I made a I, – I, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, but I, I made a statement in the previous segment. You understand the budget process better than almost anyone I can even think of. Uh, but I was saying look out for OSHA's budget to be increased. Of course. Yeah, substantially, well, I imagine. And, and, the creep, and remember, the creepy thing there is they're turning OSHA into a vaccine – um, regulatory agency. Well, of course. So, yes. I, I, this is an incredible thing. Go with that if you want to. <laughs> what is that the old Bob Newhart line? Would you every, like to? Is, <laughs> Bob Newhart. I, remember the old Bob Newhart show when he had his yeah, patients? Would with, you like to yeah. go with that? Yes. Would you like to go with that? Okay. Oh, those were funny days. Would you like but, to go with that, David? Look, your audience is going to be pretty darn smart on this. Um, so how does the president push an unconstitutional vaccine mandate? He turns it into an occupational work sa- a workplace safety issue. Um, and therefore, OSHA just became a vaccine enforcement agency. I want that to settle in. I want people to understand that. We never elected, ever, ever elected anyone named Rochelle Walensky. And we never elected whoever the temporary head of the James Frederick is his name. We've never elected James Frederick, who's the administrator for OSHA. These are now who govern us. That's my perspective, David. Well, uh, this is progressivism run riot, literally. Yeah, stop. When people talk about the deep state, (laughs) stop using that term. It's the government. What do you think the bureaucracy is? The bureaucracy is in to self-preservation and power accumulation, budget accumulation. So, so if they exist to do this, and they do it quite openly, um, you're now getting an observation of this is what happens when you set up monstrous, incredibly powerful bureaucracies, which their motivation is not finding the safest, best, cheapest, most efficient, creative, technology-driven way to keep you healthy, keep you this, that. Theirs is the accumulation and maintenance of their power. See, um, you're, you're, you're one of the very few congressmen who gets this point. This is why I love having you in Congress and on my show, David. You're one of the very few congressmen who gets this point. When people say, David, why are you so animated about all this? Because you get that once we are appropriate and build an agency up, it does not come down. Well, It's as if it's got its own smart. little voter protection situation over there. Oh. And we're going through that right now. One of the brilliant things, you've you got to, just the audacity of what the Democrats are doing right now, you've got to give them credit for being willing to do things that so many Republicans would have been intimidated by. Um, much of this spending in that $3.5 trillion package, they're making entitlements out of it, mm-hmm. making it a formula-driven spending, mm-hmm. meaning to be able to end it or change it, it's almost impossible. Well, what's interesting about entitlements, uh, uh, did, you, did, you, did you have the misfortune of going to law school, by the way? I don't remember. God, no. Okay. Uh, I, I did. I, I had the misfortune yeah, of going yeah, to law school. <laughs> okay. And you don't want to hear what I think about um, most lawyers. And I probably do. I probably agree with you. That having been said, what's interesting about the modern left is they create these entitlements, which then create in turn rights, really. Uh, it came, you know, an entitlement constitutes basically a right. 
And what's interesting is that as they are passing these new entitlements slash rights in Washington, at the same time, the ones that we used to know and take for granted because the Constitution, those get thrown out. Those don't get take serious, get taken seriously. It's a riddle, really incredible moment in time we're in. Well, it's in, as in if we're writing a new Constitution in real time. Well, but it's a budget tactic. From, from my point of view, much of this is financial budget tactics. So here's what happens. If I make something sort of a self-renewing um, entitlement, uh, just like, you know, uh, Social Security is an earned entitlement. Right. It's paid into it, earned. Right. But it's a formula. You get it. And if I want to change this, you got to have the House, the Senate, the President's signature, and survive a court challenge. If it's just a regular agency and there are annual appropriations, you know, we can duke it out in committee, make a change there, and if others don't want to accept it, you can just choose, hey, we're not going to fund it. And it, nothing, and it, and it runs out of money. This one, if you say, hey, we're not going to fund it, doesn't matter. It's already in a formula. It just renews itself. And that's what's so darn sneaky, that much of how they're about to try to take the middle class and make them functionally... Uh, 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 wards of the state, and that that you know, so much of the middle class is now going to be getting a monthly check. Now they're going to be taxing them for it in a different way, but it's great politics. It gets you reelected. The other crazy thing we found pointed out: they're going to raise taxes on really rich people, and then turn around and give those really rich people boatloads of credit for buying a Tesla, for buying a battery wall, for buying this, for buying that. Um, so we did an example in the committee where you make $800,000 a year. You can get up to like $818,000 in a year in just credit. For as long as you're willing to spend it on Democrat priority. David, uh, do you have a second for a philosophical, psychological question? Um, yeah, as long as I'm not the one being analyzed. No, I won't analyze you. I'll ask you to analyze Americans, though. We've already invoked Bob Hartley, so we're, we're, in the, we're in the neighborhood of psychology. One of the problems with these things, these entitlements, I'll never forget Margaret Thatcher once said that, you know, she was able to restructure so much of Great Britain except for the health care system because once that needle is in the arm, you just, you just cannot take it out. This is, there are a lot of needles that you're trying to stop from going into the arms. I'm not talking about vaccines. I'm talking about the analogy of, of entitlement slash rights that people become used to. You look at a place like California right now, but you could say this about so many other parts of America, David. Why have we become a society that gets so used to decadence? Californians had an opportunity, for example, as many Americans do from time to time, to change the situation of high crime, high cost, high inflation, less less services, you name it, more homelessness. And yet they they're I think the welfare state makes us get used to decadence. That's what I think. Um Yeah, I I, I would approach it differently because I think decadence is almost too much of a nineteen thirties um you know socialist manifesto type of word. Um, the, the fact of the matter is what happens when you convince large portions of the population they're getting something for free even though they don't uh, really appreciate that they're living poor as a way to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it, it, it look, it's, it's that's that's a nice statement. That's, that's well put. I, I can work it, with it. Yeah. 
it's the bagel experiment. If every Friday you're the guy who brings bagels to your office, and one Friday you don't bring them, it's not like you get a thank you for, hey, thank you for right. the other 51 right. weeks you brought us right. bagels. You're right. a great guy. <laughs> it, people are angry that you didn't bring them that day, even though you were the one paying for them. <laughs> it, it becomes part of our expectation. And this is what the Democrats are doing, which in some ways is, is brilliant. What happens if you take that working middle class or working upper middle class and make them also addicted to the largesse of this check coming in? The only trade-off is at the end of the decade, because we're going to slow down economic growth, we're going to remove lots of capital out of the economy, you're going to be poor. Your job is going to pay you less. Your house will be worth, I mean, you're, you're going to pay for it in other ways, but in this way, you can see a check show up. Yeah, I mean, this this is check. right. This is exactly right. I mean, you know, people can make fun of, and I've done so, and talk about this tax, the rich theme, and the dresses, and the expensive things that these New Yorkers go to at the Met, I suppose. But it is interesting that that's their passion, taxing the rich. They never talk about enwealthening the poor. They never well, talk but, about enriching but the poor. But understand. The taxing the rich rhetoric is a fraud. Yeah. Because they're raising the taxes on much of the wealthy and then turning around and subsidizing them. And, and please understand, we, we demonstrated in the committee, we found about a trillion four hundred billion dollars in the next 10 years. And law as it is today, not with all this new stuff, that are basically subsidies to the rich. We subsidize their flood insurance for their fifth house. We, you know, do all sorts of things like that. And it would be much less economically damaging if I, if you really needed capital, you know, um, uh, tax money to spend on infrastructure and these things, instead of raising taxes that distort economic growth, why not cut spending hmm. on those very, 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 very top tier of income earners and use those resources? And it's much less distorting of the growth future of the economy. I don't know how to uh, say this any better than this, David, but I am so glad you are there. I am so glad. Yes, and it was such, because I got in very late last night, so we had 40 hours of what they call markup, and it's just miserable when you have to listen to the crazy. You you believe you make your best argument, and you know you're going to lose, because they all have their orders from Nancy Pelosi that no one is able to vote on one of the Republican amendments, even when we showed them the Republican amendment helped the poor. Hmm. Yeah. People want to know what it lives, means to live in a one-party state. We're giving them a taste well, of it. We're giving them and, a taste. And look, for California, my attitude is they broke it. They could live in it. <laughs> but uh, we need to have a very uncomfortable conversation as conservatives. We need to find a way to be able to talk to female voters. If you look at the data, um, the candidate, the no vote basically split with men. All right, David, it I got to take overwhelmingly I, I, for females. I got to do a commercial break. Can we can we do that next week? I'd love to pick up on that theme let's next do, week. Let's okay, do it brother. next week. We'll talk Thank then. you. Take God care. bless you, sir. Godspeed as well. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs, the company I have used and use, continue to, and continue to recommend. They are simply the best for any roof repair, inspection, replacements. Trades Unlimited is where you want to go. And they want me to tell you that whatever kind of roof you are in the market for, if you are in the market for a new roof, they're there for you. Consider the foam roofing. For those who have a flat roof, the benefits of foam roofing are to help silence noise, protect from water leaks, and, of course, insulation from the atrocious heat. But whatever you may be in the market for when it comes to your roofing needs, repairs, replacements, inspections, check out Trades Unlimited. Give them a call at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or visit them online at tradesunlimited.com. Dot com. All right. I um, I was in mind of this story. I was in mind of the quote by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson that the uh, corruption of man, excuse me, the corruption of language is followed by the cor- – no, I had it right the first time. Sorry. The corruption is man is followed by the corruption of language. The corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language. Confucius actually put it. More pregnantly, Confucius said, when words lose their meaning, people lose their liberty. David Schweikert was right to bring up the story no one's read about the budget. How many of you have read that the CDC changed its definition of vaccines on its website? What are they, the New York Times? They think they can just fix things overnight without telling anyone on their website on major stories and projects? May I read to you this story, Miami Herald. Social media is calling bluff on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for modifying its definition of the words vaccine and vaccination on its website. Modifying, not changing, mind you. It's just a modification. Should we be doing modifications right now? Before the change, the definition for vaccination read, quote, The act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. Close quote. That would have been my thought. Would have been my working general definition. Something along those lines. The act of introducing a vaccine in the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. That's what used to be on the CDC's website until earlier this month. Now, the word immunity has been switched. To protection. So it now reads the act of introducing a vaccine in the body to produce protection to a specific disease. Do you find that to be a modification or an altogether different change? Immunity, meaning prophylaxis, to <laughs> protection, which is a weird euphemism for the way most people use the word prophylactics. Protection is not immunity. The term vaccine also got a makeover. The CDC's definition changed from, quote, a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease to, quote, a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. 
One produces immunity. One stimulates the response. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Bill, what's the strongest piece of advice old Screwtape gave his nephew Wormwood? Do you remember? Thank you. Keep people in a constant state of confusion. Fuddle. Nice work. Fuddle. Good word. I can't help but think that is the strategy here when we whiplash from announcement to announcement, from fact to fact. Everyone misuses the word factoid. This is a pet peeve of mine. Misuse of words is a pet peeve. Um, everyone, everyone thinks factoid means small fact or a little interesting fact. It doesn't, at least not originally. It means false fact. Sold as true, something unsubstantiated, repeated to be true, stated to be true. What the CDC and the presidents, the administration have given us on COVID are factoids. Factoids in their original sense of the word. Oh, they have big implications. Don't take the OID to mean small. They have big implications. But. When you think about the way we have been pushed, shuffled, moved, and switched around, yes, whiplash is the right word on the various factoids the federal government has told us what we need to do with regard to COVID. I would say they have fuddled us to a pretty good fare well. What worries me is people who believe the factoids. And what worries me are people who are comfortable in the chaos and the crisis. Yeah, I'll stick with getting used to decadence for now. I will. I understand David's point, but it's a phrase I'm going to stick with because it happens at first slowly and then quickly until you no longer recognize it's happened at all. And I just bet right now there's something like 40-plus million Californians we're going to be thinking that very same thing very soon. Ken is in Tempe. Hello, Ken. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Um, well, uh, kind of like Dennis says, I'm much better than my country. I'm well. My country's um, sick. Yes. Um, I was going to give you a, my situation with OSHA, the OSHA nonsense. Yep, please. Uh, I employ over 100 people. However, I have uh, a bunch of uh, several different locations, and any one location has no more than maybe four or five, six people working at any one time. So uh, compare that to somebody in a warehouse that has 90 people in a warehouse. So how does that how does that work? You're asking me, Ken. You're asking me. What have, what, have, what have been? I am curious to know what have been your interactions with OSHA thus far. I mean, in your career, have they been fairly, you know, non-existent and non-material, or occasionally uh, well, intrusive? What what has been your experience with OSHA thus far? OSHA itself has not been. You know, I haven't been terribly involved because I I just do all the ADA compliance and. It's more the lawyers that 
the, yeah, the he makes sure all the t- T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But I, I, I'm asking, I, I guess what you're answering is the question I'm asking, which is not much, right? You haven't had much interaction with them. Well, as, I don't want any interaction. No, of course. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting it. I'm not suggesting it. I am suggesting but, that's going to change. Well, the, the, well, we'll see. Um, well, I'm going to be non-compliant. I'll tell Good. you that right now because I have, I have female employees that are young. Mm-hmm. I have ones that are pregnant. Mm-hmm. I have ones that have COVID mm-hmm. that have antibodies. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get vaccinated, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to pay to have them tested every week. Mm-hmm. They won't get tested every week. So they, what if they just say, "Hey, I'm going to go find a company with fewer than a hundred people, and I'll go work there." Well, that's an important point. And we, that's we, an important point. I don't that. know if anyone I've, considered. Can I keep you? Can I? Can I take a quick commercial break and sure. come back? Because I have. I, I, sure. I want to ask you about uh, the question. I want to ask you, Ken. Just in case, on the off chance that someone from who s- s- watches CNN regularly or MSNBC regularly or gets their news exclusively from the mainstream, I want them to hear from someone they would not normally hear from. I.e., you, Ken. And, and 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 your views as to why you are not going to comply. I want people to know that these people exist. There are a lot more than you think. And they're probably more sane than you think they are because they're more sane than you. Ken, I want you to uh, talk to me about your views on that when we come back. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Ken in Tempe is an employer, a large employer in town, who says um, he's going to uh, be a little civil disobedient when it comes to this vaccine mandate. Ken, uh, if that's a fair way to describe it, uh, correct me at any point where I misconstrue what you're saying. But talk to me a little bit about your thinking as someone who employs uh, well over uh, the, stat- the, the regulatory vaccine mandate, over 100 people. You said you have, you know, women who work for you, pregnant women. You've had people who've had COVID. Um, are are you worried about your workplace? Are your employees worried about your workplace? Tell me what the, the culture of thought is about COVID in your workplace. Well, just just think of what we've gone through in the past 18 months. Um, early on, it was the just the fear. Um, we were shut down for six weeks. Um, everybody was laid off. Um, we had to give them back again. And then we go through the sanitations and the masking and, and wiping everything down all the time, putting stuff on the floor to do the, you know, the six feet of separation and et cetera, all, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then we and then we had the masks and then employees got to wear masks. We've got the hardcore maskers and the anti-mask last year. Now we've got the vaccines. So we've got the same thing with the vaccines. Uh if you remember back then, we were supposed to take temperatures of customers walking in the door and all that, you know, try to get their health status along with the employees and on and on and on. So it's been, I mean, businesses, this is just a nightmare and the cost is unbelievable to deal with this. And of course, employees are scared. They're concerned. Uh, and so that's a constant thing you're dealing with of trying to keep your workforce safe along with the customers. Um, so, yeah, it's 18 months of this, and people are just really, really, really getting tired, um, employees and customers. And, and the, you know, you've, you've, you've heard it keeps changing. Yeah. 
what what needs to be done the sanitation um, the vaccines work they don't work it was supposed to be the cure-all now people with you know fully vaccinated are getting it um, notice what the cdc did they found out the vaccines didn't work as promised so they changed the definition of vaccine this is an incredible thing i mean george orwell you know should be given a posthumous pulitzer prize oh yeah yeah sure the, the ministry of truth yeah no you know what's interesting to me ken about you know the um the uh, situation you described in your workplace people having been you know put through the grinder is here in Arizona, we have it so much better than so many other places. This is what's incredible to me. Mm-hmm. You know, describing the horribles you described, I have visitors coming in from places like California who just look at us either with amazement and admiration or abject fear and concern. It depends, you know, on who it is. Yeah. And, 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 and mostly you can tell by their politics, which is an odd thing. But my point is this, for as, as all, all, all the you know, all the headaches and stress and anxiety that has been caused here. You know, it's probably twice that in a lot of other places, including maybe three times that in California. Yeah, and I'm in a franchise. Oh, okay. So we have, okay. I've, I talk with people in Oh, that's Canada interesting. Where they, that's interesting. Where, where they get yeah. shut down. Yeah. Where they get shut down multiple times. Um, and California and L.A. County and all and so forth. And, yeah, no, they're, no we're, we're in, you know, we're not as bad as they are. No, we're not. Uh, but and 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 yet it's bad. And yet it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's you know what what level of bad do you want? Well, that's um, that's interesting. What level of bad do you want? What's the level of bad now? What's the level of bad well, with the novel coronavirus, a disease that's right. supposedly affected twelve percent of the country and has a ninety nine percent plus survival rate? Well, and that's why, as a business owner. I'm not the vaccine cop. I will never be the vaccine police. I'm not going to police it with my customers, and I'm not going to police it with my employees. Well, that's the thing about OSHA and vaccines that is so interesting to me, Ken, because the vaccine is not something that you shoot on your way in to clock into work and get to remove when you leave work. This is obviously a cradle to – it's a 24-7 permanent thing you've put in your body that has nothing to do with your work. Nothing to do with your workplace. Right. Nothing at all. I mean, and, and it doesn't. And it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. No. I mean, that's the whole thing. It doesn't. Uh, you know, so it's not even. It's not even effective. And and you know, and it can be harmful for young people. Let me let me at this uh, point interject something I've been asked to interject, which I agree with, and you can disagree, but I'll interject it. It is substantially true that those who are vaccinated generally do better than those who aren't when they get COVID. Generally, generally. I have, uh, depending on comorbidities and things like that. So I'm, I I see that point, but that is not a vaccine. That's not a vaccine. Right. And if the substantially true point I just made is substantially true, and there's agreement on that, then it's nobody's business whether you or any of your employees get vaccinated. It's only the business of the person who wants or doesn't want to get vaccinated. Wait, I, That's I, all I it can substantially be said to do. Mitigate the problems, symptoms, and risks if you do attract the disease. That has well, nothing and, to and do I'm with full, anyone else. And I'm fully vaccinated as of like February, March, mm-hmm. and I tell all my employees, 
do work with your doctor and make that decision on your own. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm for vaccines if it's the right thing for you. But, you know, I've had, I have several pregnant people and they're going, there's no way I'm going to take a vaccine because they don't, you know, nobody knows what the, they haven't done the study. There's no long-term study. There just isn't. There just isn't. There just isn't. And so, so that's why I'm saying it's not my job as an employer. It's bad enough I have to collect all the, take all their chunk of their paycheck and ship it off to the federal government. But um, to do this, it's just too much. And like I said, I've got five or six people in a in one location. Of course, of course. I mean, what what what's the impact? As opposed to a hundred pe- or ninety people. I am fascinated by a political movement day. in this country that will compare us to the Gestapo and Nazi Germany when we talk about uh, voter ID and uh, illegal immigrants or immigrants, you know, having to prove citizenship in this country as denounced as a show-me-your-papers regime. The left is really good at protecting illegal immigrants from any kind of what they consider undue burden under the guise of, oh, well, it's Gestapo tactics of show me your papers, and then they'll often throw in a German accent. Where are they now, and where are those German accents now? There's an old line that um, that Michael Ullman, Ullman, an old professor at Claremont, used to say. He says, whenever someone comes up with an idea, test it by uttering it in a German accent. Right. I kind of agree with him. Kind of agree with him. Ken, bless you, sir. Vaccine passports are coming. If I can help in any way, you let me know. I appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. We're here for you. Thank you for being there for us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. There's Rob in surprise. Hey, Rob, how's the pooch? Uh, the pooch is doing okay. She's smile. Uh, well, he's smiling, and uh, we're going to feed him in a little bit, but he has to eat a lot of soft food. And, uh, by the way, thank you for the great picture of Dagny, because I think it really helped his Rob sent Rob sent me a picture of his dog listening to a digital uh, radio with a digital screen that had it tuned to 960. The dog was very, very, very George, right? It was very, very well, yeah. attentive to what was being broadcast on that radio. I sent him a picture of Dagny in front of the microphone. So well, They're communicating at a different level, I suppose. No, well, I, I think he understood. Yeah. And he was smiling, by the way, at the radio. Yeah. Looking at 960. Uh, that's what we did. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, Don Lemon's comments about, well, about what he talked about. And I thought about, okay, didn't these people want free health care for everybody? And, you know, this goes back to, you know, Sanders and AOC and everybody. And it's like, well, I guess they want free health care unless you've been unvaccinated and i thought about that and i thought well that's kind of ironic don't you think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i thought about you know the whole california uh recall election and i thought you know there's a couple of things going on there i think there's one that's sort of blissful ignorance and blissful arrogance and the the people that are ignorant they don't care as long as they get free stuff and the arrogance is, well, they're not going to be touched by any of the effects that uh, having uh, this alleged governor involved. And then I was thinking about, you know, the the whole 
idea of the way people think about uh, the government. And, you know, I thought about this, uh, you know, brave new world, this brave new incompetence, this brave new lies, the brave new disinformation, uh, the brave new propaganda, the brave new unaccountability, the brave new blindness the brave new lawlessness, the brave new bureaucracies, the brave new misdirection. And now I'm thinking about the brave new reality that we work in, with apologies to Aldous Huxley, of course. Um, and I think that's one of the problems we have. Well, not that they read Aldous Huxley or understand him, but I think that's one of the biggest problems we have is I don't think most people in America really understand what's going on. No. Um, and you know I can go with Mark Milley for hours, but uh, I I've got I've got a uh, I've got another general coming in who's going to talk about Mark Milley right away. Rob, sorry, it's a short segment. Feel free to uh, check in uh, again. But uh, yes, uh, General uh, Mick McGuire, candidate for Senate, U.S. Senate, joining us to talk about his views on Mark Milley. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. Salem 